0: The second reading tonight is from James chapter 5, sentence 13 to 20. It's on page 1046 of your Bibles, or page 46 of your sermon outline. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain and didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Thanks Naomi. Thanks Andrew. Great Bible readings. Good to see you tonight. My name is Paul if I haven't met you and we've come to the end of the book of James. I don't know about you, but I found it a challenging Quite confronting, uh, but comforting at the same time. I want to start tonight with some words from a a song that we used to sing here at church. It's on the screen. Uh, Wanderer, come home. Wanderer, come home. You're not too far. Lay down your herd. Lay down your heart. Come as you are. One of the greatest uh, joys in ministry is... Seeing wanderers who come home, uh, sitting down with somebody who has drifted from the Lord and walked a long way from God, and praying with that person and seeing them recommit their life to Christ—it's a great joy. Uh, Dave is a friend of mine. We led youth group together. We read the Bible together, and he'd wandered so far from God. Uh, we sat in a, a tea shop in those days, back in Oxford. And we had a nice cup of tea together. And he told me that he was disappointed with God, he was hurt by God, he felt that God didn't love him, he felt that God was distant. And I sat and I listened and we cried and then these two blokes, we sat in this tea shop and we prayed together. And we prayed a prayer of recommitment and we prayed a prayer of reconciliation and a prayer of forgiveness and he came back to the Lord. Uh, Phil, is another friend who He was walking away from God. He had stopped coming to church, but but God kept on putting Christians into his path. God does that sometimes, doesn't he? He could not get away from God. And again, I sat with Phil and I prayed with Phil and we prayed that he'd come back to the Lord and trust God again, and he did. Uh, Sue was wandering. Uh, She was hurt by the church, disappointed by the church. And we prayed together and she recommitted her life to Christ. Remember Kelly Denning? She was wandering. She walked into church by the bridge about six, seven years ago, heard a sermon on suffering and gave her life back to the Lord. Now she's serving the Lord in Africa on the mercy ships. Nothing greater than seeing people come back to the Lord. Uh, Sally, a member of this church who lives in chronic pain, and she was so disappointed with God because he hadn't healed her. And the doctors said there was nothing more they could do. But we as Christians, we as a church, have something that the doctors don't have and we have something that pharmacists can't prescribe. It's called prayer. And we believe that prayer is powerful and prayer is effective, don't we? And so we gathered around Sally and we prayed and we laid hands and we anointed with all and, and God was kind God healed her, and God healed her physical body and healed her weary soul. And can I say, if you're here tonight, and you know that you're wandering away from the Lord, you know that you're distant from God, you're drifting away from God, maybe you're doubting he loves you, maybe you're questioning his care for you, this sermon is for you tonight. If you're here tonight and you know people in your life, you've got people on your hearts tonight who you love dearly and it breaks your heart that they're no longer following the Lord, they've drifted away from God, this sermon is for you tonight. If you're here tonight and you are in pain, physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, financial pain, this sermon is for you tonight. This sermon is for all of us. Because in James chapter five, James tells us that as Christians, as a church, we have two enormous privileges. They're available to all of us: pursuing the wanderer and praying powerful prayers. I've got one point tonight. We as church, we care for one another through powerful prayer, because we believe that prayer is powerful and prayer is effective and pursuing those people who are wandering and drifted from god it's a huge privilege to pray for people and to pursue those who are walking away from the lord let me ask you do you believe that prayer is powerful do you really believe that god can answer your prayers and do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine J.C. Ra wrote this. Here it is, I say it with great sorrow. Few Christians are found to pray. Oh, There are many who go down on their knees and say a form perhaps, but few who actually pray. Few who cry out to God and few who call on the Lord. Few who seek God as if they wanted to find and few who knock as if they really hungered and thirsted. Few who wrestle and strive with God earnestly for an answer, few who give God no rest, who continue ceaselessly in prayer and do not grow weary. Yes, few of us really pray. But prayer is just the simplest of acts, simply speaking to a God who understands, who is able. Such prayers are His delight. See, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have this privilege of praying for each other and with each other. It's available to all of us. And that's what James 5 is all about the power of prayer. Uh, these verses are notoriously difficult and confusing. But what is evidently clear is it's all about prayer. Did you see that verse 13? If you're in trouble, you pray. If you're happy, you sing songs of praise because that's a form of prayer. If you're sick, you call other people to pray for you because end of verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and is effective. Do you believe that? Let me ask you, when you're in trouble, when the difficult times comes, when the trouble comes, when the trial comes, what's the first thing that you do? Please don't think that you can solve your problems by yourself without prayer because you can't. Get on your knees and fall before your heavenly Father who is totally able. What do you do when you are happy? Verse 13. See, if there's a danger of not praying when you're in trouble because you think that you can handle it or prayer will make no difference, the opposite is that when you are happy, when life is good, you don't bother to pray. But James says when you're happy, verse 13, let them sing songs of praise. When life is good, call out to God, praise God for it. Acknowledge God's hand in your happiness. So if you're in trouble, you pray. If you're happy, you pray. And then verse 14, if you're sick, he appears to be saying, get somebody else to pray for you. These verses, verses 14 to 16, are some of the most confusing and controversial verses in Scripture, but one thing is very clear, we must pray. But we must also understand these verses rightly, because verse 15 seems to make an extraordinary promise, doesn't it? Look at verse 15. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. That's an extraordinary promise from God, you know. If you're sick and you pray and you'll be made well again. But here's the problem. Sometimes our experience doesn't match up the promise, does it? Sometimes we pray for somebody who is sick and they don't get well. Sometimes they get worse. Sometimes they even die. And so when your experience doesn't match up what the Bible seems to be saying that can be devastating. So so pastorally, that's why we need to work so hard at these verses. I I know some people who have been so disillusioned with prayer because of this verse. They They were sick, they called the elders, and the elders prayed, but they weren't healed. So why bother praying? Because prayer doesn't work, does it? I know some people who have written off the Bible because of this verse. I was sick, they prayed, I didn't get well, so the Bible is wrong. Perhaps worse, I know people who have been made to feel such a failure in their faith because of this verse. Verse 15 says, The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And tragically, I've heard preachers and pastors say to people, You didn't have enough faith. That's why you weren't healed. Someone said that to uh, Rachel's late husband, Ben. He didn't have enough faith. That's why he wasn't healed. And that is so wrong and so insensitive. I've heard people say that James links sickness to sin, verse 16, and they make this awful direct comparison. If there is sickness, there must be sin in your life. So if you're not getting well, it must be because of some unrepentant sin. It could be sometimes, perhaps, but not always. Or some people have even said, verse 14, you call the elders and the elders pray over you anoint you with oil. So if you're not made well, then perhaps you called the wrong elders or used the wrong kind of oil. And it goes on and on and on and people are desperate to find out why they were not made well. That's why these verses are so Important. If someone is not healed, you can read these verses, and you can question, and you can doubt, and you can leave disillusioned. So we've got to do some careful work tonight on what James is really saying. There are lots of words in this passage, and I've listed a few on the screen. Look at verse fourteen: Is any one of you among you sick? And the word that James uses for sick in verse 14, it literally means weak or without strength. And in the rest of the New Testament, that word for sick or weak is used both of physical weakness and of spiritual weakness. So Matthew 26, it's physically weak or physically sick. 1 Corinthians 8, exactly the same word, is used of spiritual weakness or spiritual sickness. In verse 15, James uses a different word for the word sick. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The word he uses there is the word weary. Will make the weary person well. That same word is used in Hebrews 12 of the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider him who faced such opposition so that you may not grow weary. That's the same word. The word used for well in verse 15 is actually the salvation word, the sozo word, you will be saved. No surprise, that's a frequent word in the New Testament. And sometimes that word saved means saved physically, saved physically from sickness, and sometimes it means saved spiritually. By grace you've been saved. The word for healed in verse 16, it could mean physical healing, like Matthew 16 or Acts chapter 9. Or it could mean spiritual healing, like Isaiah chapter 6. Now, do you see the issue? Bible words have Bible meanings. Sometimes it means spiritual sickness. Sometimes it means physical sickness. And so James could be saying... When you are physically ill and physically sick, call the elders, get them to pray over you, anoint you with all, and you'll be physically made well again. He could be saying that. Or he could be saying, when you are spiritually sick, when you are weak and weary and struggling in your faith, call the elders, get them to pray over you, and you'll be made well again spiritually. So let me ask you, which one is he saying? And I think the answer is both. I think he's saying both because prayer is powerful for physical sickness, isn't it? But prayer is also powerful for spiritual sickness, isn't it? Let me be very, very clear on this. I do believe in the power of prayer. Is anyone of you sick physically? Then call the elders of the church to pray over you because prayer is powerful and will anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do believe that God can and does heal physically sick people today in answer to our prayers. Do you believe that? Now here at Church by the Bridge, I don't know whether you knew this, we have healing services where people who request healing prayer. We gather around them and we pray over them and we anoint them with oil and we have seen God answer prayer amazingly. We've seen God heal nerve issues and skin conditions and tumours. I believe in that gift of healing. I'm not a cessationalist. I believe that some people have the gift of healing, the gift of praying over sick people. So can I say if you're here tonight and you are physically sick and physically unwell and you want prayer for healing we'd love to pray over you and pray with you But sometimes you know God chooses not to heal doesn't he God is God and we are not And sometimes God decides that he's not going to heal it in the here and now And that's why verse 15 is so important the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. You won't be surprised to know that that word "raise" comes up hundreds of times in the New Testament, and it's used to describe the raising up of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, or it's used to describe the resurrection of believers on that last day. And that's the great comfort, isn't it? If God chooses not to hear us in the here and now, we don't understand why, but if he chooses not to, we do believe that the Lord will raise us up on that last day with our new bodies and our new minds. So just over two hours ago, Mahia Maleki was here in this church, at the front of this church, talking about life in his wheelchair. And if you don't know his story, his Legs don't work. He is paralysed because of a surfing accident. And we have held healing services for Mahio. We have prayed over Mahio's legs. We've anointed him with oil. And at this moment in time, God has chosen not yet to heal him. Do we stop praying? Of course not. We keep on praying. The doctors have said two years after his accident, there is no hope. But we believe in a powerful God, don't we? And we'll hold more healing services and more healing services. Because God can bring healing. But we also know that God might choose not to. We know that God might choose never to heal Mahia's legs in this life. God may have a greater purpose for Mahia's life from his chair. But on that last day, he will have new legs that will dance and leap for joy. I'm so looking forward to that day. So please hear me rightly, I believe that prayer is powerful to heal the sick. But James is saying more than just physical healing, he's he's talking about spiritual healing as well. He's talking about the the weary, the wobbly, the wandering Christian. Pray for them that they be brought back to the Lord and healed spiritually. Because that's the context of the whole letter, isn't it? Do not wander, don't be double-minded, don't give up. Press on, persevere. Don't have a faith that is lacking. So can I say, friends, if you're here tonight and you're on your last legs spiritually, if you had to call it a day in your faith, if you are weak and weary in your soul and you're wandering from the Lord, James would say, verse 14, if anyone, if anyone of you is weary or sick, call the elders of the church to pray over you because believe me, I know what it's like. When you are so distant from God and you're questioning God, you cannot pray for yourself. Get the elders around you. Let them pray over you and for you. And it says in verse 15, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. From my experience of praying for people who are wandering, they are acutely aware of their sin. What they need to be reminded of is the forgiveness of Christ, the cross of Christ, because nothing is beyond forgiveness. I had the privilege of sitting down with a a bloke who was wandering from the Lord and he was so entrenched and entangled in pornography and prostitution and he felt so guilty. And to sit with this man and to remind him that there was nothing that he had done that could not be forgiven by the cross of Christ and to see him come back to the Lord is such a joy. And, And James says in verse 16, Confess your sins to each other. Ouch, that is uh, being a bit vulnerable, isn't it? To sit down with somebody else and acknowledge your failures, to sit down with a fellow Christian and to acknowledge the way that you have stuffed up and how something in your life, a sin in your life, is causing you to be weary and weak in your faith. But when we do that, we have the privilege, verse 16, of praying for each other that we might be restored or healed and come back to the Lord. And maybe take some oil and anoint them with oil as a marker. That's the day where they recommitted their life to Christ. So I'm not sure you've ever seen that happen. I think we're good at having baptisms to celebrate someone coming to Christ for the first time. But maybe we should have some recommitment services where people stand up and say, I've given my life back to the Lord and we celebrate that and we anoint them with all. That's the day they came back to the Lord. See, prayer is powerful. Prayer is effective and God says, you will be forgiven, you will be restored, you will be made spiritually well. And I think that's why James talks about the prayer of Elijah. I do love Elijah in the Bible. So one of the reasons I named my son after him. He's a great man of prayer. But he's just a, a man, he's just a human being, verse 17. He's just like us. There's nothing special about Elijah. What is special about is, is the power of prayer. Elijah prayed and amazing things happened. And we can pray and see amazing things happen. It says in verse 17, Elijah prayed earnestly, it wouldn't rain. And it didn't rain. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain. What I find intriguing is that James could have picked a truckload of prayers that Elijah prayed. Remember the story in 1 Kings, chapter 17, where there's a, a little boy who is sick and then dies. And Elijah comes and prays over the the dead boy and and puts hand on the dead boy and he's raised back to life again. Why didn't James choose that prayer if he was to make the point about physical healing and physical sickness? Why did he choose this random prayer about Elijah praying for drought or for rain? Here's why. Because Elijah's whole ministry was about calling people back to the Lord. Calling God's people who had disobeyed, who had drifted, who were doubting who were disobeying and wandering and calling them back to the Lord because the drought is like a symbol of what it's like when you try and do life without God and the rain is a symbol of of the blessings and how refreshing it is when you come back to the Lord and I think that's why James ends his whole letter with this call if you want or this privilege and responsibility that we all have of pursuing the wanderer. He says, my brothers and sisters, my church family, if one of you should wander from the truth, if you see somebody who's drifting and walking away from the Lord and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death or save them from hell and cover over a multitude of sins. All their sins are covered. They are loved, they're forgiven for everything they've done. So what a privilege we have. What a gift that God has given us. We get to pray with people and we get to pursue people. If I just stop there, I think I would do James a disservice. Remember James says, do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. If you left tonight just knowing that you can pray or knowing that you could pursue somebody, James would say, well, what's the point of that unless you do it? So we are going to do that right now. We're going to pray. We're going to do something different and you might feel uncomfortable. I'm going to ask you to, where you are, to to raise a hand if you'd like someone to pray with you or for you. So if you're here tonight and you know that you are wandering, you know that you are drifting, you know that you're walking away from the Lord and you long to come home to the Lord, just raise your hand and if you're around that person, just lean over and pray with them and pray for them. If you're here tonight and you, you long for healing, physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing. Again, just raise your hand and if you're around that person, just pray with them or pray for them. If you're here tonight and there's somebody in your, on your heart that you are thinking of right now who is drifting and wandering and you want to pursue them, pray for that person. And just to ease the, the uncomfortable a bit, we're going to listen to some music. It's called Wanderer Come Home. You're not too far. Lay down your hurts, lay down your heart. So listen to this song, and if you want prayer, just raise your hand. And if you're around somebody with their hands raised, pray with them and pray for them. And I'll close this time of prayer. Father, we come to you because you are powerful and you're able to do more than we ask or imagine. Father, for those who are distant, drifting, wandering, doubting, disillusioned, feeling unloved, feeling that you are not there, uh, Father, would you draw them to yourself and remind them of your love, your mercy, your grace, your comfort? Father, for those who are in pain, physical, emotional, mental, financial, spiritual pain. Father, we come to you as the the God who flung stars into space, who has the power to heal. And we beg of you, Lord, to bring healing to these sick bodies and these sick minds. And Father, we are sorry for the times that we doubt that you answer our prayers. We're sorry for the times, Lord, when we fail to pray. What a gift it is that we can talk to you and bring all these requests to you in Jesus' precious name.